Hello and welcome to the Numlock Podcast. I'm Walt Hickey. As of Wednesday, 13th of September 2023, a grim milestone has arrived. The chicken sandwich wars have now gone on longer than the American Civil War. Launched August 12, 2019 with a surprise attack executed by Popeyes against Chick-fil-A, the wars have spread to dozens of combatants, pitting brother against brother and corporate parent against wholly owned subsidiary. Amid the lightly battered carnage, one journalistic voice stands above all else. Justin McElroy, the host of Munch Squad, a podcast within a podcast of the acclaimed My Brother, My Brother and Me show. As a longtime fan of his, I asked Justin to join us this week to reflect on the chicken sandwich wars, to talk about the increasingly unhinged way that companies attempt to market their food, and chat a bit about his current work on the thrilling steeplechase season of The Adventure Zone. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me in this important journalistic endeavor. This is a critical moment. Uh, we find ourselves yeah. uh, this week, the chicken sandwich wars will have gone on longer than the American Civil War. Uh, you mm-hmm. have been on the ground covering this day by day, hour after hour. Mm-hmm. Um, d- at what, what point do, do we just recognize this is well, – at what point do we just recognize that this is the second American Civil War? I mean That's- it's all – you know, I it, the 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 bad blood brother versus brother versus colonel. <laughs> it's got everything. Yeah. Um, why don't you take us back to the beginning? Uh, you've mm. been co- Munch Squad, a podcast within a podcast. Uh, on my brother, my brother and me has been dedicated to covering, you know, the, the latest and greatest in food offerings, as as you'll go on to explain. Uh, chicken sandwich wars have been dominating this since uh, years now. At this point. Um, Mm -hmm. how did this start? Um, I, I have always been sort like, and I think I got this from my dad. I, I've always been sort of a sucker for, um, I mean, I I don't know how to say it other than just marketing. I'm like a, an absolute sucker. And and a lot of that is like me being, uh, um, willing to just sort of go with it and finding that I'm happier if I'm not fighting the the thousands of advertising messages that are being sent to me on a daily basis i just kind of like go with it and i love to try new consumer products and i know that's goofy but like when i whenever you would go to like uh columbus ohio it's a it's a popular test market for new products so you'll see like drinks you hadn't heard of before or whatever dad would always do that when we were kids like any new drink he would come home with like a 12 pack like all right guys <laughs> the new Crystal Pepsi, they're calling it. So you guys got to try this. So, uh, yeah, anytime I see new stuff like this, I, it comes from a genuine place. Like, I genuinely think it's fascinating. Um, what I love, though, is when I find out that these companies have to put out press releases for these dumb products. Like, no matter how dumb the thing is, they got to let people know about it. And someone is tasked with the job of writing the press release for something that is a sentence. I mean, it's always a sentence, right? Yeah. We now have a chicken sandwich. We <laughs> we are now putting we are Dunkin' and we put beer in coffee and you can buy it at the store. Please go buy it. There was one I did one a few weeks ago that was like extra gum has a new pink lemonade flavor. Here's the press release. It's like how 
How would anybody know that's even a product that if I saw that, I assume they sold it for 20 years. Like there's just <laughs> uh, it's just wild. Um, and I just think I think that that's really funny. Um, the first one I did was uh, Taco Bell doing the naked chicken taco, which is when they made a taco shell out of a chicken breast and it's so vulgar everything about it is <laughs> vulgar like it makes me want to be a vegetarian it's a vulgar exercise uh and i was like this is too great i gotta share this with people and then i mean that was back i i don't know uh 2016 around there or something like that uh and we just kind of uh just kept going with it because the press releases just kept getting wilder um, and I, you know, it, it slows down sometimes that, you know, sometimes the bit is, it, but there's always like new, new stuff to, to make fun of. Um, and I think, I just think that it's great. And it feels like when you're somebody who cares about, um, have made doing comedy that doesn't like specifically target people, especially like marginalized groups or just like anybody, anybody specific, anybody individual, like we really try to be upbeat and, and. I feel like making fun of not just corporations, but marketing for specific consumer products is like as near as a victimless crime. <laughs> you can get, even the people writing these things know like, yeah, this, this isn't going to get me my Pulitzer, you know, it's, it's, it's all in good fun. Um, but, but yeah, uh, that is, that is the Munch squad. Yeah. It's it, limited time offerings have, never been they've always been like you know existing right like there's always been mcrib there's always been things like that they are increasingly unhinged and i don't think that anybody's yeah. been following that quite like you yeah i i do i i have exposed myself to a wide variety of and sometimes the product will be wild but i there's just nothing i they don't have the press release i gotta have the press release <laughs> i gotta have the news i have to have someone reporting it journalistically who is also paid by you know, Pepsi or Taco Bell or whatever. <laughs> Those are the same company. But you know what I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I have followed the space very closely. Yeah. Um, it's It's been just genuinely a pleasure to listen to. Uh, again, as you've kind of like, uh, you've developed this form of taste, I think, among these uh, sort of products. Like, you know, you've been able to clock if they're only in one restaurant for one hour in Anchorage, Alaska. You've been able to, yeah. I'm glad you're bringing that up. Thank you. That does make me very angry. And that is something that has happened like in later Munch Squad and almost kind of put me off of it is you start to see these companies that are just doing it for the bit. Sure. And if they're doing it for the bit, it's a lot harder for me to do jokes about it because they already know that it's done. Like uh, Pepsi did Peeps flavored Pepsis. And they were like, you had to get them from like a contest or whatever. And it's like, it drives me crazy. Just have the strength of your convictions to make your dumb soda and let the market sort it out. You're like, uh, carve, uh, uh, this, I don't even think this is a munch quad. It's something we talked about on my cereal podcast, the empty bowl, but Carvel, you know, the ice cream cake people, Sure. they made a cereal that was just the, a cereal quote unquote, that was just the crunchy chocolate bits that go in the middle of the ice cream cake with the fudge sauce, you know what I mean? Yeah. They made a cereal out of that. 
but they're in like little tiny boxes and they only sold them for like one day at their stores. It's like, just give me, just make it or don't. You know what I mean? Cowards. <laughs> everybody. I don't like, I don't like that stuff. I make a product, put it out there for everybody. Don't do like the Curter burger where you only do it for one day. I did talk about the Curter burger, but that was like, cause it was a burger with a loaf of cheese curd on it in Wisconsin. That was, that was pretty good. But by and large, wide release or nothing. That's what I say. Yeah, you can't not talk about a Curter Burger. That seems like an unspeakable. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And people could go buy that. Like you could go buy it in the stores. It's usually my cutoff. Uh, I prefer wide release, but still. So you've been covering this for a while. Again, I I can't imagine the amount of time that you spend on QSR magazine, but uh, a lot, a lot. Yeah, pa- paper and di- paper and digital. Oh, you get the print. You get the dead tree edition. Some 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 fun time jokester signed my PO box up for a subscription. <laughs> To that and uh, the, I get lots of them. <laughs> that and the uh, selling sign is for like horse magazines. Thank you. That's great for recycling. Um, the and the selling sign is for like the uh, the like gas station mag. They have like a publication for like new gas station uh, <laughs> convenience offerings. Um, so that's that. You know, I try to track the sources wherever they wherever they are. That's incredible. Uh, because again, like your your history is in journalism. Like, like you you founded Polygon. Mm, yeah. Uh, it, it, like mm-hmm. uh, I, I've always like enjoyed that element of Munch Squad, where it's like clearly like this is something that's going on, and, and, and like I'm glad that you mentioned you alluded to it again. Like your father who has roots in journalism as well. Like uh, that this is a this is a trade that you've been plying for quite some time. Yes, that was my like my first like job out of outside of like retail was in my mid 20s i got hired to be the news editor at uh, a small paper in ohio um and i was desperately underqualified but i just sort of kept scamming my way up uh and and uh, pivoted over to video game coverage mainly but like i i still i enjoy doing or i i i know enough journalism to know how to pretend i'm doing journalism in the munch squad so that's that's about where my my uh, skill set is at this moment. Do you have any uh, favorites that kind of come to mind? Any specific limited time offerings or or press releases that just really kind of made a dent in you? Um, let me think. Uh, any time I I I oh um, Taco Bell did a naked egg taco. That was a, you know, when they did the chicken, but this was a gigantic fried egg that they folded up into a taco shell and it made like a breakfast offering. And it's like, it's, that's, that's unacceptable. It's simply not, simply not a product that anybody should be, should be consuming. Um, the nightmare, uh, Burger King, the nightmare burger where it was like black for Halloween. Remember that? And it gave everybody black poops. That was oh, a no. fun time to be in, in the business. Uh, yeah. Burger King will dye their buns sometimes and it ruins people's bowel movements. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, um, man, Chris angel had a <laughs> restaurant. Did, do you remember? Okay. Chris angel. I had to look up the acronym. So Chris angel, Made a opened a restaurant. <laughs> made a restaurant. And it's called. It's spelled C A B L P. Is Cabal and that is short for, of course, Chris Angel Breakfast, Lunch, and Pizza. Cabal. <laughs> I don't even know if that's that's still open. That was back in twenty twenty one. But Cabal. 
<laughs> oh god, it still hits. <laughs> yeah, Tablop. Uh, you know, so you, you've uh, chicken sandwich wars were obviously launched uh, in in to devastating effect in August 2019. Uh, where where do you kind of see see that going? For a while, there was quite a bit of activity, and and, and now you know it's been kind of in the in the like it, they're in the long haul. I gotta say. Uh, from your view, where, where the chicken sandwich was at? Uh, I mean, at this point, I feel like, um, I feel like we've, a lot of us have moved on, mm. uh, uh, from the, from the war part of it. I feel like what we're seeing now is we're entering a phase of where we're all sort of culturally accepting that every place has a chicken sandwich <laughs> and this is what's weird about the chicken sandwich wars, right? If I could, if I, if, if I may, you may. Um, these these places all had chicken sandwiches. That's the <laughs> thing is that people forget, right? They had chicken sandwiches. They were bad. The only one people liked was Chick Fil A, and they turned out to be uh, a little bit questionable on some of the donations of groups they're giving to a lot of like uh, anti LGBTQ places, right? So people stop eating the chicken sandwich. For me. That's the beginning of the chicken sandwich, right? That was the only good one you could get. They turned out to be some some uh, nasty dogs over there, maybe, and so nobody's nobody's gonna eat that chicken sandwich anymore. Somebody had to step in. As 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 long ago as two thousand five, McDonald's came at the crown. For they came for true Kathy's Kathy's uh, 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 creation, which they still insist that they made the first chicken sandwich, and that just seems wild to me. It's a fried breast between a bun. Like, come on, y'all didn't, nobody can invent that. It just is. Like, it just exists as soon as these two products were created. As soon as we had bread and chicken, somebody was like, wait, I got it. Hold on. <laughs> Step back. So I don't I don't grant that to cheer at Kathy or Popeyes, to be fair. Both of them claim to have the first chicken sandwich. Uh, but anyway, um, the so McDonald's in 2005, they had Southern style chicken sandwich. And that was it. I mean, that was a straight up, like we got a potato bun. We got two pickles. We got pickle brining. Let's go. And it had a good run. I think it was like a decade of that before they get to continue. So even they like were in the game. And then when Popeye's decided to just like, Hey, why don't we try? Like, why don't all of us other restaurants like try to make a good one instead of making like a, a forgettable, option for your cousin that doesn't like hamburgers you know like yeah. we'll, we'll actually try so when you started having more and more people come out of the world War, do you know Walt? do you know this is true between the beginning of 2019 and the end of 2020 do you know how much sales of chicken sandwiches increased i do not it's really easy to remember this statistic because it is 420 <laughs> percent it's a memorable statistic yeah Wow. It's a memorable statistic. It's how I remember my daughter was born at 4 p.m. <laughs> and 20 minutes. 420 is when my kid was born. 420%. That is how much chicken sandwich sales increase. So everybody just like, hey, restaurants are selling good chicken sandwiches now. We should probably go get them. But the wars, I don't know why it had to be a war. And everybody in the war, by the way, always yeah. shouts out all the other people in the war, which is wild because that doesn't seem to be a good marketing strategy. You just be like, <laughs> here are some other places that have done this, and now we're doing it too. Um, but I think it's also the chicken sandwich wars. I think what that is is, a, is directly connected to Munch Squad because uh -huh. I think it is someone that had to do a press release about a chicken sandwich. And they're like, I gotta do. It's gotta have some kind of angle. 
I don't know what the first line of this press release is going to be. Maybe West. I keep talking about the wars that are going on that everybody seems to be uh, so hot on. And that was just like the angle. It's solved. If you have a chicken sandwich and you're writing a press release about it, you got to mention the wars. And the more belabored it gets, the better for a lot of these. It's like we're finally strapping on our chicken rifles and wading into the trenches to blow the other sandwiches straight to hell. We're going to make some chicken sandwich widows out here. Let's go. And it's like gross just say it's a good sandwich or bad yeah for years we've maintained neutrality but today that ends right and neutrality i have to be clear is bad chicken sandwich like it's not <laughs> like no chicken sandwich it's just like let's try to make a good one yeah it is really funny that you can draw a fairly direct line between the success of the gay rights movement and a 420% increase in chicken sandwich sales. It's beautiful. It's a story of love and acceptance. I mean, really, uh, war is such a misnomer. It should be a, a, a cultural shift of people unwilling to accept lesser treatment by buying um, evil, cursed chicken sandwiches. We had, um, to show you how seriously these places took it, in Huntington, West Virginia, where I live, they opened up a Bojangles, which is sort of like... It's like lower tier Popeyes, mm -hmm. like it's like mid tier Popeyes, uh, but it was huge in Huntington, and so much so that they had to reroute traffic on Route sixty, like around the line for Bojangles, <laughs> and it got so bad. KFC, there's another KFC down the road about a mile, and they put up a sign that just had a big picture of the Colonel, and it said, "We make the chicken around here," like outside the Bojangles. <laughs> The KFC put up a like, hey, not in our town. This is a KFC town. And hey, hand of God, that Bojangles closed. So I don't know what the colonel was working over there, but he it worked. It's, they, they're, they're back to the only uh, chicken on Route 60, as far as I know. I mean, listen, you start a battle, send in the colonel. Yeah, you better. If you're going to come for the colonel's crown, you best come for the bow tie. You got to come correct. <laughs> I want no, to. What no way is it the bolo? The bo what is he? Oh, what would you call that? In the I matter? would call it a bolo. Anyway, you get the idea. Yeah, bolo. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about uh, this current season of the Adventure Zone. Um, you have sure. been uh, the, the game master for it. Uh, it has been. Mm -hmm. uh, I've really, really enjoyed it. I've dug it a lot. Uh, Thank you. Setting, Thank I you. Will, I, I really mean that. Yeah, it's it's, it's a phenomenal season. Uh, I think the setting is is excellent, and I want to talk a little bit about that because it is very theme park uh disney inspired i would say yeah and i think that that ties in decently well with munch squad in the sense of it's just like you are really there is a commentary about the commercialization but like nevertheless like identity bound uh american pop culture and, and so i guess i'd love yeah. to ask you a little bit about where some of that season came from and where some of that setting came from uh yeah so we wanted to do uh, – it had been a long – everybody else in my family had, like, run the game. Oh, my gosh. My Arby's Big Cheddar bowling shirt just got delivered. What a delight. What is uh, it? Remind me. I'll be – remind me when we're done. I'll make sure to run up and grab it so so you can so you can see it. it's going to be a, a wonder. Um, so I I uh, I hadn't done the, the Game Master thing yet. It always seemed kind of overwhelming. And I waited, and I kind of put it off as long as they would let me because I didn't think I'd be very good at it. Uh, and I finally was kind of forced into it. We found this game, Blades in the Dark, that's about like theft and heists. And I like that kind of thing. I think that that kind of thing is cool. 
Um, and a nice change of pace from, you know, murdering your way through caves or whatever happens in other <laughs> games. Uh, so I am a I'm a huge like theme park nut. I always have been. I, I think that they are fascinating. I like even like I think I even like like reading and understanding and learning about them more than I like like actually being there. I just you know, it's yeah. more like a hobby. Like, no, I'm the most annoying person to walk around Disney World with. Like, you do not want to every fucking four steps at some other <laughs> dumb thing I've got to point out. Uh, but so I, I I love that kind of stuff. And I and I, I'm so I was like, well, OK, if if I was going to make a world that was that could incorporate all this junk in my brain, then I would make a giant uh, like that on a grander scale. So the theme worlds in this park I called Steeplechase the theme worlds are like layers stacked on top of each other. And each layer is a completely immersive sim. I love immersive stuff like that too, like uh, sleep no more yeah. things like that, where it's like bringing you into the experience. So I thought like, this would be amazing. I kind of made my dream place to go to. And then the, the show as we've gone on has really been about like, what I found though is like me kind of wrestling with these ideas of a society obsessed with entertainment and obsessed with distraction. And like, I'm not coming out as like a cultural critic cause I'm very much like lumping myself in with that. This idea that like you lose yourself so deeply in distraction and entertainment that you lose contact with the world around you or forget what, what you would consider, you know, your, your actual or real life. Um, and that has been the, the, the thing that I've been sort of like, uh, exploring with it is like how, what is the impact of that? What is our, um, what kind of obligation do you have to, uh, the, the real world and the people around you versus like losing yourself in it, in a fiction and it, and very aware of the whole time, like we are making an escapist fiction at the same time as I'm like talking about this, right? Yeah. So it is a little bit Ouroboros. Um, but yeah, that's what it's been. But it's also, you know, that's a very highfalutin way of describing it. And I'm terrible at describing stuff in ways that like people would actually want to listen to it. But I swear it's 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 a lot more fun than that. So we have like a, there's a layer that's like a noir crime kind of deal. So I watched like a bajillion every like noir movie I could sort of get my hands on to, to like really tap into that aesthetic. Um, there's a, a, a fantasy layer where we've incorporated elements from previous adventure zone shows. Um, there's a, like a reality show dating kind of thing, but that's the idea. So every layer is people like pursuing their fantasies while these three creeps try to rob them blind. So it's been a lot of fun. I think we're, we're heading towards the end. I think, um, next few episodes probably it's like finally wrapping up and it'll be somebody else's problem but <laughs> i feel i feel really good about what i've been able to do um when i started it seemed so overwhelming until i realized it's just like eating an airplane you know <laughs> you start you gotta take it into really small chunks and then eventually you're you're halfway through the wings it's a it's a really fun listen uh and again it, it, like you know you have some really exciting ideas in there which is one thing i want to I, talk to I read I read no internet feedback at all, like no Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, like nothing about it. So when someone does tell me that they like it, like I, it is a genuine delight because I'm basically in a vacuum. Just living off. And my, and my wife won't listen. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Just living off the funk land videos and, and, and <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah i really dig it it's like very fun on the ground like you were saying like it is like four in, uh, rather three interesting people stealing interesting stuff from a cool place uh there is just something that you were talking about like when it comes to escapism where it's just like escapism as a genre is a reflection of the society from which you're trying to escape right right and, and, and like i think that you're pulling out some interesting strings in the show when it comes to how creative work is valued how it's not how people engage with it how it's not how people engage with creators i'd love to hear you like a, a little bit more uh, on, on how you feel about that on uh, okay, what specifically so i get like I, I can't help but notice that at the time that ai is attempting to yeah. replicate a lot of the creative efforts of people who yeah. really try at making art you, you know you have uh, an element of the show that's talking a little bit i think or at least reflecting a little bit of some of that societal change yeah there there is um it's weird, right? I that was not a conversation when it started. Like it's moving very rapidly. Yeah. And the idea that like somebody could could a, a computer could uh, you know do a reasonable facsimile of me, Justin McElroy, and this I'm not I'm not exactly like a once in a generation talent. I'm like a bunch of snick and Pee Wee's Playhouse, and then just I you know I had a, a, a acting major. And you bring, you know, you stir all those together. I'm not like uh, uh, one of the one of the A-listers there. I feel like a computer <laughs> could get me pretty quickly, honestly. Um, but seeing that like start to to take place and like do, and that's been tough, right? Because I didn't, I didn't ever think that would happen to me. I still don't, for me specifically. But there's definitely a future where you know this stuff is algorithmically generated and. Uh, I mean, it's scary. It freaks me out. I have a AI, you know, characters in the in the uh, story, and a lot of those AI characters are kind of uh, we call them hard light, and it's basically like a hologram that has feeling uh, that can feel things tactile, um, and they're very much sort of like having conversations about sentience and what it is to be alive. Um, we have a few different characters, and 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 classes of people like that who are um trying to break out of that like idea of like if you have been created by someone else are you devoid of creative energy like can creative energy exist being created by a computer um and again there's a nice thing about this i don't have any answers i'm just doing a role-playing podcast you know you can you can you can think about it all you want in your own time <laughs> i just got i just gotta fill 60 minutes and then i'm out <laughs> yeah again like a computer doing a reasonable facsimile, like animatronics are a fundamental element of the history of theme, of theme parks. Yeah. And those have continued to improve. I mean, it was a very long, when you look at like Lincoln was the first one and that was very much a Disney passion project, like wanting to, well, Disney passion project, wanting to like create a, um, a Lincoln that could be entertaining on its own. Um, and, there was so much work that went into that and such a big valley between the real and the fake. And that valley obviously has continued to shrink. Uh, That was another, I mean, that, that animatronics are, were a big part of what I was thinking about with steeplechase specifically. um, The, the carousel of progress is a, is an attraction at Disney world. And it is the only attraction at Disney world. As far as I know, where directly it was worked on by Walt Disney because it was created for the 64 World's Fair. Then it was adapted to the the form it finds itself now in, in Walt Disney World. And it is the stage show 
in America that has had the most performances of any show in America, right? Yeah. And that got me thinking, like, there's this, it's about a family <clears throat> through the generations, and it's in a, uh, the, basically the stage is split into a four-quadrant pie, and the audience is in a big ring that moves around this quadrant, if you can, the, to the different quadrants, which is the same family in, like, different eras. And I started thinking about, like, these animatronics have done this show more times than anybody on earth, yeah. right? And if you start to like let your imagination go a little bit without like, especially with the AI stuff happening, like, well, what if they realize that? <laughs> what if they, re you know what I mean? Like, what happens when they're like, wow, I'm tired of doing this show over and over again? Um, and I, 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 I find that a really interesting thing to, to think about. That's really fun. Uh, again, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. It's a good on, uh, entrance point, I think, if folks are interested in checking out the podcast, which has been an interesting. Yeah, all of our sh all of our arcs are are sort of self contained, so you know that's it's a f steeplechase one is a fine place to to start if you can deal with me like shaking off the jitters for the first three episodes. Or so. <laughs> it's great stuff. Uh, and, and the last thing I wanted to kind of throw on the table is, uh, you know, you've been doing graphic novel adaptations of. Uh, the first The Adventure Zone arc, Balance. Um, how's that been? Uh, you, you just had a new one out this year. Uh, I think there's a new one coming out next year or something. Uh, but either way. Yeah. Um, Usually about one a year. Yeah. So How's that experience been? Uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's a weird project where so much of me is in it from where we did The Adventure Zone. But I have such a limited, like, it's such a team project for um i mean obviously like carrie peach is bringing she's the art artist for the series she's bringing so much to it uh and and creating so much of the visual language of that world um but dad uh my dad clint mcelroy has been he's been a comic book writer for many 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 years so he's really taking the lead on it and i'm mainly like tweaking uh the, the the dialogue for my characters putting in more boner jokes and stuff and it's funny because they they were so like wildly successful like the first one was the and and uh, I think the first two or three are were like number one New York Times bestsellers on a specific chart like a pretty specific chart which no one ever puts on the book jacket right like no, new york times bestseller in self help paperback trade version number 8 no but this is a this is a number one i could say I'm, i yes i'm a number one new york times bestselling author and what i did was i told my dad to make these few jokes better <laughs> <laughs> and that that is why in my freaking uh, obituary, it'll say number one New York Times bestselling author because my I told my dad that you know Kenny Chesney might be a funnier reference here than Jimmy Buffett. Why don't we do Kenny Chesney? Okay, great. Here's your here's your here's your bestseller plaque. No, but you know I they don't send you bestseller plaques. My dad made one for me for Christmas. Aww. He like with a cut. I know it's beautiful. I have it hanging up, and I can tell people like, yeah, I made my I punched up my dad's jokes. No problem. <laughs> Well, Justin McElroy, New York Times bestselling author. Uh, no, number one. Sorry. Number one. Sorry. Thank you. I hate to, you know, you don't want to be that guy, but. Uh, I apologize. Justin McElroy, number one, <laughs> New York Times bestselling author on a specific chart. Uh, Several time number one. No. <laughs> Five time. <laughs> Five time. Um, where can folks find you? Where can they enjoy more oh, of your man. work? Oh, man. 
people get my 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 manager gets mad at me because I always give people the wrong address, but it's the McElroy dot family. If you go there, you, you'll find all of our all of our stuff. Um, tours are there. We we got a few more shows this year. Uh, videos, podcasts, whatever you like, it's all it's all there waiting for you. Terrific. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Walt. Thanks so much to Justin for coming on. You can find him at McElroy.family, at the podcast My Brother, My Brother and Me, and at The Adventure Zone. Thank you for listening. 